Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Joining us here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel with Drew Dinsick. I'm Sarah Perlman, and we have an awesome and packed show on this Friday. We got NBC Sports Bay Area Josh Rock coming on to dig into the 49ers as the biggest underdog in the divisional round and what Kyle Shanahan could have up his sleeve to pull off the shocking upset. And Kenny Ducey not only has some NBA looks for tonight, but he's also going to come on and let us know where he sees value in the Australian Open right now. And Dave Ross has his handicap ready for not one, but two title bouts tomorrow in UFC 270 in Anaheim. He's going to let us know where there's value in both of those fights. And you got to stick around till the very end of the show to hear our edge of the day. And a lot more coming up here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Drew, I woke up this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought, we're in California. Is it? Is it extra sunny? Is it shining <laughs> a little brighter this morning? The sun is shining and the weather is sweet. Uh, that sun's win last night was awesome. Uh, I never doubted them. Uh, even though you know the Mavericks gave them everything they could handle for three quarters, uh, the Suns pull it off in the fourth quarter. As you know, as we broke it down, it was such a fun win and really. Like, I, I don't know that I've ever had a run with a team in season like I'm having with the Suns this year. I it think is of, remarkable. it's crazy. I they I bet against them a handful of times back when we were in Hawaii for, uh, uh, you know, for on Thanksgiving. They were in the fatigue fade window and we were popping against them. Um, but when, every time I bet on this team, I think they've only let me down once so far. So I don't you know, not jinxing it, knocking on wood here um, at clearly my favorite team in the NBA and honestly like some of their defensive possessions late in that game where they needed key stops were just superlative they are so good team defense wise they're getting defensive production in ways that I'd never expected out of some of the players who really you know have taken their game an entire level up this year it's so fun to watch you've been all over the Suns all season the depth of this team obviously their defensive strengths I saw on Twitter we're going to get to our guests in a second I saw on Twitter you're close to getting a son's tattoo. <laughs> I saw our followers saw you can't tweet that. If you get a son's tattoo, I'm coming. We're filming okay. it and we're All running right. it back on the show. Okay. And I'm on not the title. 
Suns win the title this year. We uh, we got we got some serious business because that's that's at this point that's where uh, most of my stake is in uh, the futures market in the NBA. Suns win the West. Suns win the okay, title. Okay, I'll draw. I'll team. draw the sun for you. Not sure it'll be pretty, but you'll get it tatted on you. By the way, thank you, Brendan, for following along. Took Suns money line at half as a double down fatigue. Caught the Mavs just in time. Well done, Brendan. Appreciate you following the show. Loyal listener taking Drew Dinsick's Suns. All right. That's all we got. We'll get back to the suns probably later and throughout next week. But I'm just saying the air, super nice, sunny in California. Betting the suns again tomorrow. Betting the suns tomorrow. Okay, we're going back to the suns on Saturday. We got to talk a little NFL. It is here a football Friday getting ready for the divisional round. We bring in Josh Rock to help us break down the 49ers game. Of course, Josh, reporter for NBC Sports Bay Area. There's a lot to break down for this game. And Drew and I have done it throughout the week and on blitzing the board. And when I look at this game as a whole, and there's so many things to get to here, Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur stand out, right? And Kyle Shanahan, Really great game plan offensively last week. Went in, took care of business against Dallas. But there were some in-game decisions that kind of threw a lot of people for a loop when watching that game. Now, you can't make some of the mistakes he did in-game against this Packers team. So do you have any concerns? And ultimately, what are your thoughts about Kyle Shanahan handling this one this week coming up on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, oddly, I think it kind of depends on how the game plays out. If you're going to be worried about Kyle Shanahan, right? He's We know what he wants to do. He doesn't want Jimmy G to take a lot of risks. 2019 against the Packers, eight passes, 42 runs. This year they get down 17-0, 40 passes, 21 runs. That's not what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. They want to run with motion. They want to control the clock, bleed it. I think Kyle Shanahan, when you get concerned, is when he's either up big and he gets ultra conservative and lets teams back in, or like you said, some of those questionable fourth down calls against the Cowboys when he had them on the ropes. It's fourth and two. They're kind of gashing him, and he's kicking field goals. So, I mean, that's a little bit of concern, but I think it just kind of depends on how the game plays out. If the 49ers get down big, then it's cause for concern. But if they can keep it tight, Kyle Shanahan, like you said, the scripts are always great. Um, the running game is is a thing of beauty. Um, so I expect this one to be tight. Ooh, interesting. Okay. The key uh, angle coming into that Cowboys game, and a lot of people preyed on this because the market was a little light on Debo Samuel's rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, the Cowboys put – all world defensive, you know, masterpiece, uh, Micah Parsons basically spying Samuel on a ton of those plays. It didn't matter. Samuel still made his rushing yard prop. He was still the most dynamic athlete on the field from either team. Uh, how can we expect him to de- be deployed in this game? And is there in general sense that uh, he's somewhat of an X factor against a, uh, I guess we'll say a Packers team that is relatively light when it comes to defending the run? Yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting because these two teams, when they played in week three, Debo Samuel, two carries for zero yards. The 49ers hadn't really put him in that wide back position yet. And now the 49ers are 7-0 and when Samuel gets five or more carries and he's averaging a touchdown every seven and a half carries. To just put in perspective how good Debo Samuel has been as a quote unquote wide back, uh, the 49ers are averaging 0.472 expected points added per play when he's when he gets a handoff the Packers have the best passing offense obviously with Aaron Rodgers in the NFL they only average 0.220 points added per drop back with Aaron Rodgers so Debo Samuel's been on another level and I expect Kyle Shanahan to just find any way possible to get Debo Samuel the ball the Packers have the worst special teams in the NFL don't be surprised if Debo Samuel's back there returning punts or kicks just to get him extra touches I, I think 
that's going to be it's going to be the key to the game because, like I said, the Packers didn't see the wide back Debo the last time they met. Over the last two weeks, Debo Samuel has doubled the amount of rushing carries to targets, so I'm sure we're going to see a lot of carries for Debo coming into this game. We have to talk about Jimmy G and what's happening health-wise. He had his hand injury, got it shot up two weeks ago, obviously was able to take care of the ball for the majority of last week against the Cowboys. Then in the third quarter, hurts his shoulder. So he's dealing with his hand injury, his shoulder injury, and his backup, a rookie quarterback in Trey Lance, probably not going to take the field much. So what is the realistic expectation we can expect from Jimmy Garoppolo dealing with these injuries into Lambeau. It's really interesting, right? Because Kyle Shanahan comes out and he tells you got a shoulder sprain and then it's, well, I didn't think it really affected Jimmy at all. And then Jimmy comes out and he's like, yeah, man, I was, I was really affected. And you can kind of see it against the Cowboys in the first half, Jimmy Garoppolo, 11 to 14, 133 yards. Then after the shoulder injury, second half, five of 11, 39 yards and that pick and a couple really bad misses. So I think Anytime you're dealing with not only the shoulder sprain, but also a torn ligament in your throwing thumb, I, I never know what to expect of Jimmy. He's he's a tough guy. He's he's going to play. Like you said, Trey Lance is probably not going to play at all. I'd be shocked if we see him. But that's why the 49ers have to keep the game close, run the ball a lot because they don't want to be down 10, 14, and then Jimmy Garoppolo with you know bum thumb, bum shoulder has to throw them back into the game. That's not where they thrive. Mm, okay. So considering all that and synthesizing it all into a prediction, where do you think, what do you think is going to happen here with the Niners as they uh, take on the mighty Packers? You know, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really close. Um, I got the, I got the Packers by three. I think a couple of things, Aaron Rodgers in the last seven games, quarterback rating 124, 20 touchdowns, no interceptions. It's just, it's immortal quarterback stuff. And if they're going to get David Bakhtiari, the left tackle back, uh, maybe he can give him a little more time. The 49ers are really good at getting pressure with four and not blitzing. And if Bakhtiari and Billy Turner, the right tackle, are both back, maybe that gives Aaron Rodgers an extra second, extra second and a half, and that can make all the difference. Um, so I can't bet against the presumed MVP, but I think it's going to be really tight in zero degree temperature. Okay, we'll be sure to follow along your coverage with NBC Sports Bay Area. Josh is on Twitter at Schrock underscore and aw. Epic Twitter handle, by the way. Make sure to read all of his reports and insights there and, of course, on the NBC Sports Bay Area website. Josh, try to stay warm in Green Bay, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Um, really quickly, Drew, got to tell you, I looked at Jimmy Garoppolo and his prop for mm -hmm. Saturday, and it's super mm -hmm. interesting because his passing yards opened – at 240 and a half, got bet down to 225 and a half, and now currently back up at points bet at 230 and a half. So the concerns and the game plan that Josh is referring to, running the ball more, has certainly influenced this market as well. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, realistically, I think that San Francisco has shown even when they've been at a negative game state, they still stick with the run. They know that's where their bread is buttered. Uh, and I think they know as well as anyone, it's going to be extremely tough for Garoppolo to be a dynamic threat in this game through the air. I don't have a prop on Jimmy G, but I do have a side and a prop coming up later. And I know, Drew, you have a, a thought on this game as well. We'll break down at the end, but bet the edge is expanding. Drew and I are hosting Bet the Edge Game Time on Wednesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern to get you armed with all the last-minute insight, information, and trends you'll need to make um, your wagers before the games begin. Make sure to check us out on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. That was a fun show on Wednesday. We had a very successful Wednesday. Yes. And we'll back at it again next week. The karma is good on the uh, game night, Bet the Edge Game Night, uh, Wednesday nights, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. Come join the chat. Come drop your plays. Come get some tips. Come give some tips. It's going to be a great fun time.
Come talk about the Phoenix Suns with us because we're talking about the <laughs> It's going to be a great weekend, and the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet is making it better by giving you a chance to win over $1 million. It starts on Saturday with contests in college basketball and Premier League. Then on Sunday, predict what will happen between the Rams and Bucks for a shot at $1 million. So download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor. Bring in a guy who probably hasn't slept in quite some time. That's our friend Kenny Ducey because he's been all over the Australian Open, and I'm excited to hear your Andrew's insight and plays for the Australian Open. But there's an NBA game right now that's caught my eye, and I know it's caught your eye because it has been steamed. Of course, I'm talking about the Milwaukee Bucks playing the Bulls. Kenny, the Bucks are laying 10 points. I need some help here. Listen, I know Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, you name it, everyone seems to be out for the Chicago Bulls. 10 points. Double digits, that seems like a lot. Um, now getting to 10 and a half as we're live on the air. So people are loving the Bucks in this spot and with the roster, the Bulls are running out. Like I said, before we get to Australian Open, need your help capping this one. Yeah, I, well, good morning, guys, or I guess good night. I don't really know what to say anymore. I also <laughs> thought yesterday was Wednesday for the whole day, and that's something I don't – I mean, everyone likes to joke that they don't know the day, but I legitimately did not know the day. It was really scary. But anyway, yeah, it's good to be here, and – I, I really do like the Bucks in this spot. I think that we've learned now over the last week, week and a half, that the Bulls just aren't the same team without Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball. I thought maybe things would get better with Alex Caruso back in the lineup. They did get a nice win. I'll admit, I kind of thought about taking the Bulls here until I realized that, you know, th their, their guard defense just is not where it needs to be right now. And the Milwaukee Bucks, to me, still are a little undervalued. They went on that losing slide. People in Milwaukee panicked. But really what the cause was was Pat Connaughton, was out, which was a huge deal, along with Grayson Allen, George Hill, Dante DiVincenzo, their entire guard group. While the Bulls did have arguably a superior guard group, Drew Holiday as well was missing for six games, and that was really the, the big reason why they, they slipped. Uh, I would ultimately say that this guard group now is, is clearly better, at least with the, with the Bulls' absences. Thank you. Um, and I, I do think that when you look at the way that they've played defense lately, or uh, it's been fine, right? The, the Bucks with or without Drew Holiday, have figured out how to play defense. They're top 10 in defense efficiency over the last two weeks. But offensively, they've really come alive here, and I think that's my biggest uh, – the biggest thing that I'm looking at, a 112 offensive rating two times out ago uh, in a loss to the Atlanta Hawks and then last time out in a win, uh, nearly a 117 offensive rating. So I think that they have started to score the basketball a little bit more. The uh, the re-addition, the reinstallation of Drew Holiday is pretty evident. And I ultimately, it's a big number. I liked it a little bit better at eight and a half uh, when I went to bed at like 5 a.m. But I, I do think that this is this is a good look here. The steam has been real. This is the first time, and most of it is because of availability. We are, we've are we gotten news since the Open that uh, Milwaukee is basically going to be at full strength for the first time since I can remember. We haven't seen this team at full strength in forever. I say full strength. Brooke Lopez remains out. Otherwise, every other meaningful player for the Bucks will be available here, so we get to see them flex a little maybe. Um, and, yeah, our guy in the comments, Holt, brings up a great question. Milwaukee Bucks to win the Central, minus 115-ish before tonight's matchup with the Bulls. I, I can like see it. I can make a case for it. I mean, realistically, I still worry a little bit that down the stretch, Milwaukee 
you know, they're the reigning champions. They don't really need a seed. They don't really need home court in order to try to repeat here. So they may be one of the teams that does a little bit more aggressive resting down the stretch. So, um, but at that, but at, you know, from now until uh, say the end of March, I think bucks do go on a little bit of a run here. So not I would crazy agree with to that. put that in your pocket. Yeah. So yeah. Um, good, good, good luck either way. This Bulls team is in deep trouble. Um, you got to read on this uh, Grizzlies uh, Nuggets match because, you know, Grizzlies going into, um, you know, going up to altitude, they've been absolutely on fire lately, sputtering last time out. But what have the Nuggets shown us to warrant being three and a half point favorites? Uh, this is a tough one to really uh, wrap my head around. Do you incline to go with the home team in the situational spot, or do you think the Grizzlies have value as a dog? You know, I, I am, and uh, I really was disappointed in the Memphis Grizzlies against the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I look, I know that, you know, the Bucks came back to full strength. So we were just talking about Drew Holiday coming back really bolstered that offense, but I was really disappointed in the front court. You know, I thought that this was what the Grizzlies were known for, right? They're known for their toughness up front. Uh, Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr., these are guys that control the boards. They're top five in rebounding. This team got out-rebounded by the Milwaukee Bucks, and I just think there's some slight cracks showing in this defense, in this front court, and that's really concerning to me when you have Nicole Jokic on the other side of the basketball. And I realized that the Nuggets struggled with the Clippers. You know, they, they, they should not have even gone to overtime with that team. They're nine-point favorites, and they lost to the Jazz. I, I Ultimately, I just think it was sort of, you know, circumstantial losses. Like, the Clippers, I think, are a really deep team. And I think that, you know, ultimately, they probably didn't take them very seriously. The Jazz team, you know, they just got called out by Rudy Gobert, and I think that was their first game since then. And I think that they really responded in a big way. And before that, you know, I really don't think there was there were too many concerns with the Nuggets. I mean, they were they were eking out wins and playing close games. It is a tough one for me, but ultimately, this is from what I've seen with the Grizzlies the last couple of games. Their defense is sort of broken down just a little bit. It did break down against Milwaukee, a very potent offense. Dallas, they did not play good defense in that game as well, and that was really what was the reason the Grizzlies elevated from pretty good to elite was their defensive play. So I, I just, I don't know. I just, it, it's what my eyes are telling me. It's what the numbers are telling me over the last three games. Sheesh. Uh, and, and that's where ultimately I would, I would land on the nuggets here. Uh, just, I, I, I am very disappointed in this front court. This three and a half has pretty much stayed firm throughout the morning, but the total and probably because of your analysis with the Grizzlies defensive struggled has steamed up, opened at 220, currently looking at 224 and a half, some spots 225. So the over has also been the trend in this game. We're going on Melbourne Australian time for you too, okay? Because I know that's where you're headed. <laughs> well, let's go there. The Australian yes. Open, going to Australia. I'm excited to listen to you and Drew kind of go through some of the matches that have caught your eye, whether it's for tonight here in the States tonight time, where it's Friday, by the way, Kenny, in case you forgot, or you're looking ahead, what has stood out to you now to get involved in with the Australian Open? Well, it, it's been a great tournament. I was really sweating my Matteo Berrettini future last night. That was probably the biggest test he's going to have to face until the quarterfinal with Alexander Zverev. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good though. I got I got Berrettini center and, and Zverev futures that I uh, that I was on early. So we'll see. But it's you know I think even just an hour ago, Aslan Karatsev going down was a big deal. I mean, uh, Rafael Nadal looked kind of vulnerable in that third set against Karen Hatchinoff. I really think that what we've learned over the last week is is probably just that we're going to see a, a Zverev-Medvedev final. But I think that, you know, the other two quarters are kind of wide open. I think Taylor Fritz could make a run. I think Matteo Berrettini could make a run. I'm also a little weary of Gail Monfils after he retired last week. And then last night was kind of a big adventure. But it's, you know, I, I'm kind of excited for these next couple of days, really the next week ahead, because... 
you know, I've had a hard time really deciding on what matches to, to look at and to and to play over the last week because there's been so many. I've I've been on five, six at a time. Now we're looking at I'm basically looking at three tonight. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Well, let's get into the goods then. Cause there's a bunch, you know, we you mentioned that uh, the first couple of rounds uh were very chalky. It uh, and the you know, in general, the prices were like outrageous for the favorites. So there really wasn't much to chew on match by match. But now we are getting into uh, a portion where we are starting to get equal um strength players going up against each other. And I'll start with uh, the one that I think a lot of folks who care about US men's tennis uh, are curious about, and that is Taylor Fritz. He is taking on the robot. Uh, Roberto Bautista Algu, uh, effectively, uh, you know, the, the uh, just a metron human metronome of returning tennis uh, balls. And uh, Fritz has been he was impressive, I got to say, against uh, Francis Tiafo last time out. Uh, he is minus 110 right now in the money line against RBA. Do you think the U.S. men's tennis gets a boost with a fourth round player for the first time in a while here, I think? Yeah, this. I mean, he uh, Fritz called himself a third round bot, uh, so I think that's sort of what it's been. It's been third round, uh, third round and done for him. No, and and this is a really tough matchup. And I don't want to offend you because I know you love Roberto Batista Gut. That was a, that was a love great is look. A, on, love is a strong word. On the on, <laughs> yeah, on the, on the ATP Cup final, you know, I'm, I hope you hedged, but yeah, I think uh, you know, and you also love head to head, and so it's it's kind of weird, right? You get a guy uh, one in five, and he's minus one ten to win this match, and you think, oh well, what's going on there? Well. I think that the, even last uh, last year when they met on the clay, I don't think that these two guys were the same player, at least not for Taylor Fritz. You know, the thing about Roberto Batista Gut is he makes you play a lot of balls, and that, generally speaking, for the last five years has been a really tough match for Taylor Fritz. He likes to pull the trigger early. He likes to go for those big shots and big winners and utilize the power that he has off that forehand wing. And, you know, really when you look at the last year, he's played a bunch of backboards. He played Alex Dimonor. At the U.S. Open, he played Jensen Brooks, but he actually lost that game or that match. He's used to this by now. He knows Cam Norrie. He's he's battled Cam Norrie, it feels like, five times in the last six months. He has come through these these tests with flying colors. He's gotten a lot more mature in terms of his mental game. And I, I think that ultimately he, he's the better player at this point in time. I really do think so. I think that wasn't true even just five months ago. Something happened with him after the U.S. Open. He turned it on. He played better tennis. He, he played more focused and smarter tennis. And now he's really honing all those raw skills that he has. And I would I would probably think he's a minus 130 favorite here, if not for this five to one head to head. And the, the fact that people are still very weary of Taylor Fritz. I don't know if there's a lot of people out there betting, uh, maybe even odds makers out there who don't follow the, the game as closely as they should, who probably think they have Taylor Fritz pegged, you know, and, and since the U.S. Open, this guy's just been a completely different player. So I, I think this is a, a pretty good matchup for him. I think that he, he's going to get the chance to overpower RBA. And I think that unlike in years past, he's, He's going to take his time and figure out the right moments. And I really liked how he came through that match against Francis Diafo, getting broken to serve out the set, coming back the next few games, looking very strong and winning that in the tie break. So I, I, I think that this guy's rolling. And I think that this, this might actually be the year that he could go to a semifinal. I think he could maybe go to the semifinal in this quarter. Uh, yeah, you made a great point. He did elevate his level when he needed to against Frank, and uh, that was ultimately the difference in the match. Uh, curious uh, uh, what you make of uh, Felix Auger Aliassime. He is a short favorite against Daniel Evans. Daniel Evans, wild card. Uh, he's, he's got flashes of brilliance, but he's been unable to really sustain that over a long enough time to really warrant much consideration for a title. Um, and I'm kind of surprised that this line is as short as it is, considering, as you mentioned, in the ATP Cup final, Felix was absolutely dynamic. Uh, and really taking Canada to there for you know to that title. Um, what do you make of this match? And do you think Evans is a live dog? 
I do. I do think he's a live dog. And I, I'm a recent Felix convert. You know, I think that he has improved a lot over the last uh, year. I mean, he's gone to back-to-back Grand Slam semifinals now and or excuse me quarterfinals he went to the quarters at the uh at Wimbledon but anyway uh look the bottom line is this guy's figured out how to play in grand slams he's figured out how to hone much like Fritz frankly his raw talent and and play smarter tennis but you know unlike Fritz I think he's he's still really error prone I think he still shows flashes of the guy that he used to be even just a year ago and what I'm really really worried about with Felix is what you love to talk about Drew this fatigue factor he went five sets with the Milru Savori. He went four sets with Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, a guy that uh, forced him to play four tie breaks, almost played the, the first men's match with five tie breaks uh, in, in quite some time, maybe ever, at a Grand Slam. And I look, I think that ultimately, you know, he's, he's going to be a little tired here. I think the legs are going to get to him. And when you play Dan Evans, you need your legs because he's going to slice the ball. He's going to keep it low. And Felix is going to have to lift that ball off the court. I, I think that, you know, it's going to force him into a lot of uncomfortable errors. And these guys played just a year ago in, in Melbourne, actually. And, and Dan Evans won running away. Dan Evans was playing some great tennis, some of the best tennis he's ever played a year ago. I think you can make the same argument right now. He's, he's feeling it. He, he also had a great performance at the ATP Cup. And, and he, I think he beat Denis Shapovalov. And, and unlike uh, Felix, you know, he's, he's, uh, he has a lot of rest. He only played three sets against David Goffin. And he had, he's only played three sets of tennis in the last week, which is insane because he had the walkover against Rinderneck, avoided a probably a five-set match there. So I, I think that he's feeling it. I think that it, with the backhand, is really going to break down Felix's Felix's weak ground strokes. And I think ultimately he figures out how to win this match. He might lose the first set, and I might look to take him live. But after that, I think he's, he's gonna, it's going to be smooth sailing for the Brit. That's a strong handicap. You've convinced me. Uh, my favorite look tonight on the Australian Open – uh, the young Danish teenager, Clara Townsend, I think she marches to a third quarter victory, took her uh, after her last match to win the third quarter at five to one. Uh, and that is my favorite look on the card. Other plays. You have any other ones for tonight? Uh, so far, I'm just riding Townsend. The rest of these okay. n- numbers look pretty tight to me. Okay. They are very tight numbers. Um, I also will say, I don't know, I only took one or two. I think I took uh, Contivit live. But and that didn't hit. And then at the other WTA bet I've taken was Amanda Misanova last night, which was an incredible match. She played probably good enough tennis to beat anybody on tour last night. I thought. I mean, I, I I'm curious if you. I don't know if you watched that, but she was yeah. she was super. She was incredible. Yeah, she was incredible. And I, and her match now next up against Barty is going to be a popcorn match. Can yeah, maybe not everybody on yeah. tour. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a good match. We root for all of these bats to come home for you tonight and this weekend. Kenny, get some rest, maybe a quick nap before the, the rest of the matches start later. We appreciate the time. Kenny's on Twitter at Kenny Ducey. You can check out all of his Australian Open plays on the website and on Twitter spaces. And of course, he is a big part of the Late Sweat articles that comes out every Wednesday with the NBA handicap of the night. Kenny, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it comes in hours-long increments. So I'll probably get three now, three later. Have a good one. The guy needs some rest. He's doing a heck of a job, heck of a job rather handicapping the Australian Open. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, 
<laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It is a crazy weekend. We have UFC 270, pretty close to where Drew and I live, actually, in Anaheim. We got Dave Ross coming on. Dave. As always, we do love having you on, and this is a pretty big weekend. Let's start with the flyweight title bout, and we've talked about this fight actually quite a few months ago, almost a year ago now, Mm -hmm. with Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. Moreno, the favorite probably because he defeated Figueredo back in June um, in round three. So setting the stage now as we look at this fight, has anything changed between these two as we look to cap this one? Uh, absolutely, Sarah, Drew, great to see you guys again. And uh, very quickly, before we start, Sarah, uh, Drew, where would you get the Suns tattoo? Because I follow you on Twitter and I saw that too as well. <laughs> I just got to know where the tattoo is going to go. Great question, I, Dave. I, I'm happy I, you asked it. Yeah, I have some uh, I, I have some space on uh, on my calves that I calves. think uh, that would be an appropriate place to put a Suns I think it should be yeah. right in the middle of your back. Right. I, I oh, just straight think that's in the middle. Yeah, okay. Right in the okay. middle. Yeah, that's not, that's not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I look at this matchup though, and Sarah, you asked what might be different this time around really to me it it comes down to Figueredo and today's going to be a critical day for the weigh-in at 125 pounds right and if he makes this weight cut easily I think we got a live dog here y'all I really do and I got him early in the week at plus 155 and the reason why I was confident to make that play for for the challenger here in Figueredo is I've been following him and, and his story and it looks like He's in, he's always in great physical shape, but again, we're squeezing a lot into 125 pound body here. And that weight cut's been historically, uh, chronically a problem for him. It looks like on the surface, this week has gone much better for Figueredo than it has in the past. And if that maintains itself today, I'm taking leap of faith that he's going to make that weight cut relatively easily. And so it won't be a concern here for an adrenaline dump, as I think we saw the second time around in the rematch with uh, Moreno the last time. Look, I was on Moreno the first time. It was a draw. I think Figueredo objectively won that fight if it wasn't for a point deduction. So he was, to me, the better fighter that night without that illegal strike. The second time around, it was an adrenaline dump. You did see the energy tank go down for Figueredo, and I think it was because of that weight cut. But he almost got Moreno out of there early. So, y'all, I really think this is going to be a hell of a firefight here. And I I know that the over-under right now is at three and a half. To me, Figueredo, if the weight cut's good, he can he can probably go deeper into the night, but I don't think he wants to do that with Assassin Baby because he knows Moreno's gas tank is always on high. So I think you're going to look for a firefight early. Moreno is susceptible to being hit. I do think there's an added pressure of being the first Mexican-born UFC champion, and all of a sudden going from the, the hunter to the hunted is a different feel. So all of a sudden the challenger – Coming in there around plus 150, plus 145, you're seeing the number come down a little bit as fight week has gone on. I think that's a smart money move here. I like Figueredo in this spot. I think people have forgotten, kind of like Roy Jones used to say, y'all must have forgot. I think if people have forgotten how close these two guys were just a year ago. 
Well, you have a nose for the dog after you called the Venezuelan vixen taking out Nunez. Uh, I will ride with you 100% on this. And oh, by the way, uh, the nickname battle, it's not freaking close here. Figueredo, the god of war, what a name. What yeah, but, a name. But what is an assassin baby, Drew? I don't even I know don't what it is. It just scares me. I don't me. even get it. I right. don't get it. I don't I'm, gonna don't the, get I'm it. just going to be the one to say the assassin baby, I think might get my vote. <laughs> Pretty weird. Pretty is. weird and funky, and I'm here it's for it. It's very weird. It's very weird. The god <laughs> yeah, yeah. of war, on the other hand. God of war, I'm that, scared and I'm running away. I'm in. I'm you in. know, I tried to get my mom into <laughs> MMA uh, about five years ago, and then if she sees nicknames like god of war and assassin baby, I understand why mom is out. I'm just never going to be able to convert her. <laughs> you got to get up for these some way. Um, you got to feel for uh, if if figure it if if you're you know is there another way to take advantage of this? Uh, even beyond just figure it or getting it done here, is there a, a way to, to attack this total? Yeah, and again, I I kind of like the under three and a half here, Drew, for the reason okay. that like I have to find pathways for both fighters to get there potentially. And if Figueroa's gas tank is a problem, if the weight cut today, and we'll find out a couple hours here on the scale, if that is an issue for him, Moreno's going to see that as well, right? And so I think that Moreno, again, Sarah, you mentioned he got the sub the last time out in round number three. I could see a scenario like that playing out again when Figueredo goes, goes for broke here early, can't get it done. And then all of a sudden Moreno says, all right, it's time for you to go. So three and a half right now to me, I do like the under because I could either see Figueredo by KO getting the stoppage there or TKO or KO or Moreno conversely, if Figueredo can't get it done with his hands, all of a sudden Moreno goes in, sinks in a choke. And gets it done. So I do like the under. I might be in the minority on that, but I think under three and a half is the way to play that. Right. Most of the money's coming in on the over, typical for a lot of fights, especially in about like this one. Figueredo's gone under three and a half rounds in 11 of his 12 UFC matches. So certainly wow. you have that on your side. Let's get into the heavyweight title bout. This is going to be phenomenal. We got Francis Ngannou plus 120, Cyril gone minus 150. I have no idea truly <laughs> how to bet this, but I'm very much looking forward to watching. So let's hear if you have a bet or more kind of importantly, how this is going to play out in the heavyweight title bout. Saturday. Yeah, absolutely, Sarah. I looked at this one a couple weeks ago and I thought, oh, this is great value on Cyril Gunn. It came out around a pickup minus 110. We were seeing three weeks ago, right? And then I think the market got wise to why Cyril Gunn should be a likely favorite in there as the interim champ against Francis Ngannou, the baddest man on the planet, right? We're all scared of the right hand and you should be. And then all of a sudden you see it go up to 150 and I go, man, you guys know sometimes the value in that line can go away. And we're getting close to that spot for me for Cyril Gaon. The handicap really doesn't change here, y'all, where I still look at it and go, Cyril Gaon is the most mobile big man we've ever seen in heavyweight history. This isn't a small guy going up against the Predator, right? And, and he's going to have that physical advantage. No, this is a big guy walking around at 250 pounds against the 265-pound Francis Ngannou. So it's not going to be that big. It feels like two dinosaurs going in there, but one's going to move. Like, you're going to have the T-Rex against the Triceratops? Well, I see Cyril Gaon maybe as the smaller Triceratops, but not that much smaller. And historically, because I love Dinosaur Wars, those guys are pretty even. So I kind of think this one, this fight might be pretty even as well. Cyril Gaon is going to go in for double-A takedowns at some point. If Francis Ngannou can stuff those takedowns, then Cyril Gaon will get knocked out just like all the rest. And quiet is kept. Ngannou's takedown defense has gotten better. He's been working on this. He has evolved as a mixed martial artist. He is not just that one-trick pony. I mean, it's a great trick with the right hand. 
But if he can get the takedown defense and keep it standing, then I love Nganu as a dog here. But if he cannot do that, I actually think Cyril Gane, if he can take it into the deep waters, wins this fight relatively easily, kind of like Stephen Miocic did the first time around. So, guys, I see two pathways to victory. If you like Gane, I'd play the over. If you like Nganu, I'd play the under. Okay. I dig this. Well, I'm definitely watching some Dinosaur Wars tonight to get myself worked up for <laughs> UFC 270 tomorrow. There's no doubt about it. That's a lot. I used to debate my friends who was the actual king of dinosaurs. That's me as a child. Oh, my gosh. Okay, epic. Super excited for these. I'm going to have to get some money involved, so this will be even more interesting. Either way, though, exciting, exciting fights for tomorrow. Dave is on Twitter at Dave Ross Sports. Make sure to give him a follow if you do not already and check out his show, The Green Zone, on VEASAN. Dave, Thank you so much. Have a great week, and we appreciate the time. Always love talking to you all. Have a great show. The NFL playoffs are here, and NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you a special offer. Get 15% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout the playoffs when you use the promo code PLAYOFF15. Get every tool for every game at one low price. It is easier than ever to play and wager with confidence when you have NBC Sports Edge Plus. It's the moment that everyone, and by everyone, I mean myself, actually everyone, are looking forward to. It's edge of the day. It's time for me to hear your NBA play. I don't care if you like the slate, you hate the slate, or this is your favorite <laughs> slate ever. I just want to hear where you're going. I know it can't be the Phoenix Suns for tonight. You like them mm. tomorrow, Drew. Let's hear it. Let's wrap up the Friday with a dub. Yeah, I got three bonus plays for you with the three games tomorrow. Um, or at least three leans. We're still waiting on lines. I but, came in uh, underprepared because I, I don't have bonus yes. plays for anyone tonight. <laughs> okay, well, either way. Um, the uh, the only fatigue advantage on the card tonight, um, which is wild because there's 11 games. You would think there would be more than one where we have like a true rest disadvantage. There's only one, and it's the Houston Rockets over the Golden State Warriors. I'm not sure if you watched last night, but Golden State... Two days ago, actually, Golden State, uh, Steve Kerr comes out and he's like, look, we had to cancel practice because our guys are gassed. We were just playing uh, playing around in the gym instead of like really trying to get work in. Uh, we're giving our guys the night off, so we're fresh for this upcoming back-to-back. -back. Well, what happens on night one of the back-to-back? -back? They play all their guys full complement of minutes, and they get beat by the awful Pacers. It was a huge letdown for them in the second half of that game. Absolutely could not find their form in the third quarter which has been their signature this entire season. And honestly, in the absence of Draymond Green, I have huge questions about what Golden State is doing from a team defense standpoint. They can't figure this out. And, uh, you know, there are some red flashing warning signs here about just Golden State in general. I know they beat the tar out of the Pistons last time out, and that was a, a pretty lopsided affair. And then Houston pretty clearly in the same classification as the Pistons. But, you know, a 10-point spread, 10 is a lot of points for a Houston team that's coming in fully healthy and fully rested. Up against the Golden State team that is at at the end of a very tough stretch schedule wise on back to backs had went to overtime played Steph Curry 44 minutes last night and oh by the way no Draymond Green in this one Clay likely to get the night off Andrew Wiggins is gassed right now there are a lot of positives going in our favor backing the Golden State Warriors team that I think just plays for a win and honestly Houston has been a giant slayer at times this season and they've been a streaky team so they're coming in with a little bit of momentum uh, I think this uh, young, healthy team comes in and, and tries to take another uh, pelt. So Houston, for me, plus 10, edge of the day. Okay, a lot of money has come in on Houston because this opened at 12, and now we're looking at 10, taking the underdog. Let's hear the bonus plays for tomorrow. 
Yeah, so the three there are three fatigue advantages tomorrow. Cleveland, Love huge, it. huge advantage over Oklahoma City, who's going to be gassed. Sacramento has a fatigue advantage over Milwaukee Bucks. That one's going to be interesting because they're probably going to be about eight or nine point dogs. Uh, and then finally, of course, the Phoenix Suns have the advantage against the Indiana Pacers. Pacers have been dynamic on this road trip. Let's not, you know, I won't sugarcoat it. They've beaten a lot of teams that are better than them. Uh, that said, uh, the Phoenix Suns are not going to let this uh, slip past them. They are going to bury the sad, pathetic Pacers, in my opinion. We're going back to the Phoenix Suns. You could say anything you want, but all I hear is Suns. I would lay, I would lay up to, I would lay up to seven and a half. Actually, it's going to be in Phoenix, so it's probably going to be more like a, it's probably going to be more like an eight or nine point spread. I'd lay up to eight and a half with the Suns tomorrow. Okay, eight and a half for tomorrow because you know the second that opens. The jig is up. People know the Phoenix Suns are covering and winning machines. I lied. I do have a bonus play. Let's hear my edge of the day. And I came in with a bonus play on this Friday. I've talked about the Packers all week, and I know you have, Drew. And we had Josh on earlier breaking down what the Niners scheme can be. And I think all I could say about this is I think the Packers have advantages on every every angle of the field. They have a home field advantage. It's going to be freezing. Jimmy G is dealing with injuries. Aaron Rodgers gets it done at home. Um, I do think Aaron Rodgers is going to throw the ball a ton, and that's going to be into my bonus play in just a little bit. But I think if, if they get a, a lead early, they're going to put the San Francisco Niners away because they have no other option than to run the ball, and that's what they're going to try to do. And if Aaron Rodgers is dicing and slicing up the secondary, like I think he will be able to do tomorrow night in the weather at home, it's going to be really tough for the 49ers to come back, which leads me to a bonus play, right? If you want to hear more about our breakdown, watch Blitzing the Board. We talked about the, the Green Bay and San Francisco 49ers game in detail. My bonus play, though, is actually taking an under on A.J. Dillon, and it's a lot what I just said. If you watched last week when the San Francisco, uh, when the 49ers played the Cowboys, rather, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, 16 carries combined, 45 yards. They were down. They did not have to run the ball. They actually should not have run the ball a lot. But Dak having to throw showed a lot about what Aaron Rodgers, I think, is going to have to do for a lot of reasons. You saw what the 49ers defense have done against the run all year. Second-ranked defense by DVOA. Their secondary, or their, their pass defense, rather, not nearly as good. So for this reason, Aaron, uh, taking A.J. Dillon under 40 and a half rushing yards rather than just slamming into this very good run defense for the 49ers makes zero sense. They have Aaron Jones. This is a playoff game. You're putting in your favorite running back in Aaron Jones, if at all. So under A.J. Dillon, it was at 42. Now looking at 40 and a half, I still like it. And taking the Packers, getting a big win at home tomorrow night in freezing temperatures, Drew. That's fantastic. Uh, and realistically, I can entirely see why this is actually kind of a contrarian play to a degree. Like people probably are like, well, they're going to win easily. And this is just going to be the AJ Dillon show. And the, uh, I'm not necessarily seeing that. I think you're right. I think they're going to they're going to be more aggressive. They're going to continue to throw the ball even with the lead here. I don't see the, uh, Do you think the Aaron Rodgers is handing the ball off at any time. No, no, yeah, I, no. Over four and a half touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers in this one. No, completely agree. Um, also, Aaron Jones just coming in extremely fresh, pretty yeah. much had three weeks off as our researchers are alluding to. So this is going to be a fantastic game. I look forward to all the divisional games. I look forward to your plays in the Australian Open and the NBA slate. This was a super long Friday show, but fun. Drew, have a good weekend. You as well. Enjoy, okay. enjoy Catalina. Yeah, I'm going to Catalina Island. I'll be watching the game tomorrow on my phone until I get back for the night game. It's fine. Yeah, have fun it's at fun. the Catalina Wine Mixer. 
Catalina Wine Mixer. Hopefully we're celebrating a lot of dubs in the NFL this weekend. Thanks for joining us all week and today on Bet the Edge powered by PointsBet. He's Drew Densick. I'm Sarah Perlman. We'll be back here on Monday. Best of luck with all your butts and have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you then. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.